podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast. And this one is an absolute belter. In fact, we've got so many brilliant guests coming up over the next few weeks. And we've been rather organised, Chris Millard. You actually have spoken to Joss Butler. He's going to be a guest on the podcast very soon. So that's to come in the coming weeks and some other guests as well. Um, how was Super Joss Butler off the back of his IPL stuff? As a little teaser. He, he was brilliant. He's just such a good bloke, but also he, he's just such like a great ambassador for English cricket and a great ambassador for the game. He must be the best T20 one-day player in the world right now, potentially of all time. When he retires, I reckon he probably will be the greatest one-day batsman of all time. So, yeah, and he's just so humble as well, like a lot of the England team at the minute. Just, just brilliant. Yeah, nice. Well, that, we're looking forward to that um, in the next few. I wasn't even on it. Wasn't even speaking to him. So actually, that is going to be great. I'm going to enjoy listening to the Shackles Rock podcast and not having it spoilt by my silly voice uh, all the way over it. So that's there nice. There we go. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, so looking forward to that. Obviously, we're speaking to Kevin Peterson on this week's podcast. And, oh, well, before we get into that, we best actually just talk about the brilliant test match at Lords last week, Joe Root's heroics and stuff. But just on Joss Butler... Charles Tirrett, we've talked about these guys on the podcast before, British menswear brand. Um, and, I mean, he looks effortlessly sharp, doesn't he, Joss Butler? He was, uh, how was he dressed? Was he was he wearing his Charles Tirrett gear on, uh, on the podcast when you spoke to him? I'll be honest, I'd be lying if I said he was in full head-to-toe Charles Tirrett gear, but he was in, um, no, he's in casual sport gear. But he is a very um, sharply dressed man, isn't he? And mm. that's all thanks to uh, our partners as well, Charles Tirrett. Well, they do loads of cool blazers, polos, the merino knits, uh, chinos, loungewear, accessories, all that kind of stuff. Go on to the uh, Instagram page and have a look. There's some brilliant stuff. And it is modelled by Joss Butler, um, who obviously we can't speak highly enough of as both a human being and a cricketer as well. Um, you can get that look as well. If you have a look on Instagram, you think, oh, fancy a bit of that. A little discount code, 20% off everything at Charles Tirrett uh, with the code BARMY20. So that's uh, that's a good little touch, isn't it? So Charles Tirrett, I always have to stress, it's spelled different to how it probably sounds as well. It's T. Y-R-W-H-I-T-T, Charles Tirrett. So there you have it. Anyway, Chris... You talk- could do with that discount code, Gregory, lad. <laughs> yeah, so, last time we talked about Charles Tirrett, I was obviously in a dark place with my own fashion because I just um, <laughs> I just started hammering myself, didn't I? Anyway. You did, yeah. We'll not open that wound again. No, it's only just healed. Right, we'll move on, on to the cricket because that's what people have come here for. We'll chat to KP in a minute, but we wouldn't be able to put this podcast out with without just talking about what a brilliant start to 
the new era under Ben Stokes and Baz McCullum it was last week at Lords. Fantastic, fantastic test match. The perfect script, you would call it, really. You'd think that um, the number one test team in the world against a, a poor England team on current form going into it, I think it was just, it was it was written in the stars, really. I think there was such an exciting test match. It was topsy-turvy. One minute we looked like running them over, next minute they looked like running us over. And in the end, we came out on top and that was all thanks to, to who, who other than Mr. Joe Root. And it was just so fitting that he was the man um, to take it home for Ben and for McCullum. And, and like he said in his post-match interview, just to repay um, the faith and the support that Ben's shown him over his captaincy. And I just thought Joe's acceptance speech, and we, we, everyone knows we're close with Joe and we know some of the England guys, but his acceptance speech afterwards with, um, I think it was with Athers, was absolutely brilliant. So humble, um, all about Stokesy, all about McCullum, all about the new era, the new dawn, and it really just drew, drew a line over where we were then and where we're going now. And it's, it's an exciting dawn for Test cricket in England, I think. Summed up beautifully there, Chris. And actually, it was summed up really, really nicely on uh, the Barmy Army Instagram page. 26th Test Century. First batter in history to reach 10,000 runs in less than 10 years. Equaled Sir Alistair Cook's record to the day, being the youngest to 10,000. Won the Test. The over before fans didn't get a full refund on tickets. I didn't realise that until I saw this post on our social media pages. And uh, also a splendidly nice human being and absolutely here to hear to that brilliant yeah the next test starts tomorrow when we put this podcast out so there we have it uh kevin peterson is our guest on the podcast we will just get into it in a minute but i want to get your thoughts chris we've not actually spoken about this um off air but how did you find him how did you find kp well his reputation becomes uh, before him really doesn't it and i know a lot of people in cricket love Love him, don't like him. Some people think um, what happened all them years ago with England was a little bit underhand and some people think it was right that he spoke out at the time. But um, take as you find in this world and he's always been good with Barmy Army. He loves the Barmy Army. He loves what we do and we've, we've loved him throughout his playing career. And I think, to be honest, for him coming on the podcast and spending time with us and talking through where he's at um, in his life at the minute, but also where he thinks English cricket's at. I think it was a really good podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed sharing that um, half an hour with him. Yeah, he was very good. God, you're turning into quite like a, a, an orator, actually, Chris. You're summing everything up really, really <laughs> well. What's happened? You all right? <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. I'm getting quite philosophical in my old age. You are, aren't you? You're sitting what do, there twiddling what do you your... think, uh, well, You know what? <laughs> I, he was, he was, um, like you said, you take as you find, don't you? I thought he's, he's been, he, he's been sound before when we've kind of crossed paths or whatever. Actually, he was, um, he was, he was great. He was, a, he was a good guest. Whether you agree with him or not, you hang off his every word, and that is simply because, you know, when you and I were in our teens, he was unbelievable. He was at the peak of his powers. He was very much the very best. Um, he was the best player in the world. He was just the best player in the world. And he was just, some of those amazing innings. You can get down a bit of a rabbit hole, can't you, on YouTube, watching Kevin Peterson highlights and stuff, some of those better innings. So, yeah, really good to get him on the yep. podcast. Um, obviously, head to the Barmy Army website. 
head to all our social media pages, always information about tickets and tours, etc. There's loads of stuff coming up in the coming weeks and months. There's something that we actually did speak about before we get into KP. Got to mention it, the Great British Beer Festival. It's like the most balmy army event ever. It's in our diaries, Chris, isn't it? We were like, oh, this sounds really good, actually. I know we've sort of obviously given it a bit of a plug on, on the podcast, but it's one of those things where, oh, okay, this actually does look quite good. Uh, there's loads going on. There's beer everywhere. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> I think it's described as being like an afternoon on the Western Terrace, which I think uh, well, surely, surely not. I mean, surely not that much beer about. Um, I'd be intrigued to see the, um, the Great British Beer Festival Beer Snake. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that'd be pretty big, wouldn't it? They should do that. Yeah, they should do it. It's at the uh, Olympia in London. You could probably get to Headingley with the length of the Beer Snake. Uh, tickets are on sale at gbbf.org.uk. It's uh, start of August, 2nd till the 6th. So that's a, that's a good one. But there's all the, like, the craft ales, American pale ales and all that stuff. It, what does it say? It, 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 something like there's literally beers from all around the world under one roof. So, that, you know, if, if you are listening to this podcast and you like the Barmy Army, there's a good chance you probably would like the Great British Beer Festival. So uh, go and have a look at that as well, www.gbbf.org.uk. Right, I think that's quite enough from us. Hope you're enjoying the cricket. The next test starts tomorrow. This guest is Kevin Peterson on the Shackles Are Off podcast. Kev, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the Shackles Are Off podcast. You are somebody that gets talked about quite regularly on our podcast because we like to reminisce a little bit about uh, good times of English cricket, obviously. We like to talk about 05 quite a lot. We've had pretty much every member of the 05 team on. I think you were one of the missing people. So it's re- really good to get you on. What are you up to at the moment? Are you are you in, immersing yourself in cricket? Are you watching the IPL? Are you badgering away watching South Africa test matches? What's going on? Yeah, nice to be on here. Um, it, yeah, so it's fun to jump on with the Barmy Army. Great supporters of the England cricket team for a very, very long time that I was lucky enough to play. Uh, you play a test match in Bangladesh and you hear the Barmy Army there and you see them there. It's, it's pretty special, pretty unique. And... Uh, to control yourselves as much as you control yourselves. When we have a look at what happened in Paris the other night and you see what happens in the football, I just I just look and I just think you guys are just that good. Um, cricket supporters actually are that good. Rugby union supporters are that good. Football supporters were, man, I took my little boy to the final of the Euro Euros last year when we lost on penalties. And yeah. the guy was absolutely petrified and so was I leaving stadium, the behavior of these people. Uh, so yeah, I've always loved the Barmy army. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's pretty cool to jump on board here to, to say what I'm doing. I'm stuck with freaking what four different contracts on my table trying to have been through it since nine o'clock this morning. I've been stuck in this bloody office trying to sort out loads of different pieces <laughs> of stuff. Uh, there is a little bit of cricket stuff going on. Um, I was in India for the IPL. Uh, I keep my I keep a close eye on um, stuff that I need to keep my close eye on. 
there's a lot of stuff happening in Africa. I'm just playing catch up now. Post COVID, with South Africa being red listed, I'm now um, uh, playing catch up just on all my conservation work out in Africa. Um, so I'm actually out to Africa this weekend to go and do a week of uh, work within that conservation space and host a huge event there, which I'd missed during COVID for the last couple of years. So uh, there's a lot of work that needs to happen there, which has got a lot of my focus. But uh, yeah, just also trying to spend as much time with uh, the kids. I got very used to playing around with the kids and being with the kids during COVID. And, and, and I miss it now when I travel. Whenever I get on an airplane now, I'm like, do I need to? So I only travel if I have to now, whereas pre-COVID, it was like, well, okay, it's work. Yeah, I've got to go here. It's like, nah. If I need to go, I'll go. If I don't need to go, I won't be going. Good on you. Good on you. What's the, um, you mentioned the Barmy Army there and you spoke very kindly about this. Thank you very much. But can you remember your first experience as a player with the Barmy Army? Does that stick strong in the memory for you? Uh, not playing with the Barmy Army, but being part of the Barmy Army. I played for Sydney University in 2000. I was the overseas player, the 2000 and 2001 Ashes series down under. And I remember sitting with the Barmy Army when Caddick got that seventh on the final day at uh, the SCG. And I went ballistic with the Barmy Army for hours. I got that hammered in Sydney. I don't remember what happened after the game, but I was just a little kid that was plying my trade in county cricket for Nottinghamshire, just going crazy when Caddick knocked over the Aussies that final day in the SCG. So that was my first experience actually being with the Barmy Army. Um, my first ex my, my, uh, an experience prior to that was being a kid in South Africa and watching the Barmy Army turn up for England tours playing against South Africa. And yeah. I mean, my favorite song, uh, the, your, my favorite Barmy Army song is we got one ran to the pound, we got two ran to the pound, we got three ran to the pound. I mean, fuck, you got up to about, Wait, hey, where can you go now? You got about a million rand <laughs> to the pound now. I mean, the test matches aren't long enough for you guys to sing that song now with the current exchange rate. So I love it. We're so rich, it's unbelievable. Like, dude, it's incredible. <laughs> we do love South Africa, as you can imagine. <laughs> eh? We do love South Africa, as you can imagine. Oh, mate, I like I said, I'm going there next week and it's, uh, it's, it, it always gets me going. played the school cricket the sort of you know all the junior cricket and stuff in South Africa have you experienced much of that since you've been here when you were playing for Surrey for example have you have you seen much of it and how does it differ we're always intrigued by this we spoke to Jason Holder about growing up in Barbados and playing there and that sounds great fun I mean you know th these guys are basically playing on the beach they're playing on the little recreation ground it's all fun and games and whatever was it similar to South Africa and how does it different how does it differ here? Is there any bits that we could take or is there any bits that South Africa could take from, from our kind of grassroots and that kind of stuff? Isn't, there's no real difference. Um, and, and I say that because we're, we're fortunate enough for our kids to go to private school here in the UK. And so when I look at it and I think, well, my upbringing was winter, rugby, summer cricket, bit of swimming, a bit of athletics, maybe a bit of hockey. It's exactly what my lad's doing here. So I'm actually going through the process. The, the, the English schooling system, through the whole education system is something I'm now finding out about and I'm watching. Yeah. Uh, so there's nothing really that I can see that's totally different. Uh, Winter, Dylan now just plays rugby, uh, loves his rugby and he's in cricket season now. So he's playing his cricket and, 
And it's exactly the same sort of uh, structure and same sort of system that we went through. Um, I think what is different is there's way more club stuff here um, okay. than there is in South Africa. South Africa's school, schooling system is incredibly strict, incredibly tough and oh, like crazy, crazy competitive. Um, it's win at all costs in Africa. Uh, whereas here, there's a lot of competing. I mean, Dylan's had three games. His last three games, he's retired. 30 not out here. Uh, then he's not allowed to bowl for the first few overs because it's about giving other guys the opportunity to bowl. In South Africa, completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's win at all costs. You're taught to win. You're not taught to compete. Mm. That's probably the only difference. Is it? Is it the right thing? Is it the wrong thing? Uh I don't know. I was always wanting to just win. I mean, that's <laughs> Come, on, makeup, right? Come on, I was going to say, is it the right thing or the wrong thing? Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. But I mean, we're in England. We're yeah. talking on a, on, a, on a Balmy Army podcast. <laughs> I, <can't, laughs> I know the audience is uh, com- competing. I, I, who knows? I, I, that's not my vibe. My vibe is winning at all costs. End of story. Get better. No mediocrity. We play to win. The best must win. That's it. If you're good enough, you'll make it. And you know what? You did that a lot when you were playing in an England shirt. It's like the best, the best times. The team now, I mean, we'll get onto that, I'm sure, in a moment. But you, you look back, Ashes wins all over the place. That World Cup win. We we're actually talking to Luke Wright yesterday. And what an amazing, like underrated achievement that is in, in terms of you know English sporting moments. I mean, did you get confused between Luke and Chris when, when you were addressing Chris? Did you think you were talking to Luke? And when you are talking to Luke, did you think you are talking to Chris? I'd take that 10 years ago, but now... <laughs> Christ, yeah. Chris bats a bit like him, actually, to be fair. Jeez. Hey, I, I mean, I had so many cool times with Lukey. We, we came, became really close uh, with the Melbourne Stars. And sure we had such a good time myself and and luke uh, we got on really really well and he was such a brilliant overseas player down in melbourne yeah. uh, they love him in melbourne uh, and he churned out some magnificent results and yeah i saw some st- a statistic the other day i think that he commented on social media uh, i mean he's right up there eh? in, in terms of scoring runs for a particular team throughout a career he's right up there with the greats we, we did a we did a little special last year here on the podcast with belly Brezzy, uh, Collie as well. And it was we're talk, talking about that World Cup win, that, that 2010 one. And yeah. that was like, just kind of came from nowhere. And it yeah. was, it was, it was what, what an amazing little bit of team spirit. But that was all about the winning, wasn't it? That was, there was no other kind of anything else that was streamlined towards winning. Could they do it with a bit more of that now, do you reckon? Um, I think we just had players that were also in good form. An unsung hero's right side bottom, left arm, uh, seam bowling, left arm swing bowling at the top of the order in the early T20 days uh, was gold dust. You see a lot of left arm seamers do well just because of the angles that you bowl, the different angles and the different places that you have to hit left arm seamers. And I remember City taking some really good wickets, but I also remember him bowling some really important spells where he bowled a number of dot balls. Uh, to certain players and created a lot of pressure, which then Swan benefited off or somebody else benefited off. So we just had some good players playing really good cricket at the time. And then at the top of the order, Keyswetter had a blinder. Uh, Lummy started and, and that partnership was great. I mean, I was in the form of my life. Uh, and then some of the others chipped in. Yeah. And in T20 cricket, you get two or three players uh, in each discipline going, okay, uh, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. 
is one of our favourite moments, I think, as England cricket fans. Yeah, it's one of mine too as well. It's a pretty, I mean, yeah, pretty cool. Go back before that. We talk about 05 all the time. Great. Absolutely unreal. That was like your first taste. You know, everyone forgets that was like your first taste of test cricket in England. I mean, Mm. what... How how cool is that? Um, you know, you you look at these guys now who are coming into it. Is is it a different feel now? I mean, you you came in at a time when obviously everyone everything was building towards that 05 Ashes. You'd played the white ball stuff, done really well. But it, that fearlessness, do you think that that's kind of coached out of the lads now when they get in there in that thing, or is that a mentality thing that you had as opposed to what other people perhaps don't as much? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that mental approach strikes you from a very young age. It's what you've been taught to do. And it's and it can also be an approach that you can adapt and you can adopt if you've been successful. Uh, confidence come from comes in sport from being successful. You can't be overconfident. You can't be um, uh, a player that thinks he's better than he actually is if if you're not scoring the runs if you want to walk the walk you've got to talk you want to talk the talk you've got to walk the walk they say um but uh yeah it's about also trusting the process uh, and you've got to trust i mean just having a solid defense is something that uh, is so important i mean on commentary i talk about it a lot but i just think well you don't need to hit fours and sixes to be an attacking batter you need yeah. to defend straight to mid off and be really positive in a front foot press like Matthew Hayden used to do, like Ricky Ponting used to do, yeah. like I tried to do. Get right out there. When you're defending, you defend to mid off and you say, no, no run. And the bowler's going, geez, that's a pretty decent ball, that. So I look at batters, I look at it completely differently. Everybody can hit a six, mm. um, everyone can hit a four. But can you defend somebody's best delivery? Can you really put pressure on a bowler? when he's bowled his best ball by defending that ball. And if it's in your area, if it's top of the stumps, are you good enough to nip it through, nick it through mid-wicket or uh, punch it through the offside? That's the kind of stuff that I look for. I don't look for the fancy, glitzy, glamorous rubbish. Um, luckily, I p- played it and I was good enough to get get by. However, a defense, a solid defense, a real positive defense. Look at Coley. In, mm. not the greatest batter to talk about right now because of the form that he's in. However, look at his defense. He hits the ball to mid-off, runs. David Warner hits the ball to extra cover, hits the ball to mid-off, he runs. Bairstow, great between the wickets. That's the kind of stuff that I look for in a batter. Yeah. yeah. What, what was that like for you then as a young man, um, looking down at the late, great Shane Warne in your first test series, Glenn McGrath, Brett Lee, did you just did you get a lot of confidence from the ODIs, or did it come about from your personality and how you your mental approach? Mate, I never ever played the ball. Uh, the man, I played the ball. Mm. No matter who was running into me, I made one mistake once. Great, Alan Donald, the White Lightning, was my hero growing up. Just an absolute hero of mine. I used to do the old face cream as a young South African kid. All the t-shirts with White Lightning on the front of it, and I just remember once. Um, remember AD, and and it was actually Greg Blewett, our overseas player, said to me. Uh, when he came in. This is the value of high-quality overseas players, right? Value of playing with the best players. Greg Blurt said, said to me, he said, we're not smart enough to think about all sorts that's going on for the 10 seconds that we've got to face a delivery. Some maybe, most aren't. Watch that ball and only the ball. See that ball in the bowler's hand and focus for five or 10 seconds just on that ball. Try and find out what, try and tell your brain 
everything that's happening with that ball. What's the shot? Where's the shiny side? Where's the smooth side? Where's the, how's the spinner holding the ball? Where's the grip on the ball? Focus on that ball for 10 seconds, play the delivery, forget about it. And I remember Alan Dole running in a game, Nottinghamshire versus Warwickshire. And the first time I'd faced him, and I was just like, oh, my word. This is Alan Donald. He did a beautiful run-up. And as he delivered the ball, my stumps went everywhere. <laughs> One occasion where AD, where I, I lost the memo, and I said to myself, don't you ever, ever do that again because it would have been way better scoring runs against Donald than admiring his run-up. You've admired his run-up for however long he's played the game. Do the business. Never, ever do that again. So... Facing McGrath, I mean, everyone says I hit him over his head in the first test match. I mean, I saw that as a long half volley, which I just whacked out the ground at Lords. I didn't see that as Glenn McGrath bowling this delivery. I mean, it was an average delivery. I just smacked him over his head. Whereas a lot of people paint this picture of something crazy, right? I never, I just painted the, I just saw the ball and hit the ball. But part of it's the theatre though, Kev, surely like, you know, everyone talks about Warney and the documentary and everything and, and just the whole theatre of of what he created, you know, talking about the different deliveries and the build-up to the match, the chatting, the stairs, the looks, the moving the field. You know, surely if if you or whoever is stood there taking guard and he's shifting the field about and you're thinking, well, what's he doing here? You know, surely, surely there's there's a little bit of mind games that you've got to block out there. That takes mm. takes something to be able to do mm. that. Yeah, but it, it's about trusting your own game, right? So whenever I played against Australia, I was in damn good form. And I, I just always went to an Ashes series playing incredibly well. Whereas when I played against Pakistan, most of the times I played Pakistan, I was, oh man, I, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was just in, in one of those patches where I was good for 30, good for 40. I mean, I did, I got hundreds against them home and away, but still I know there were series that I missed out. Um, and I know Pakistan's for is one country that I just never really got on top of. Whereas Australia, I was just playing so well. So it didn't matter where you put the field. I mean, you bring bring a silly point, a short leg and a, and a, and a slip in for Warney. I'm thinking, right, well, there's three gaps in the field. Where can I smack him? Yeah. Not yeah. crocky. He's got short leg in. How much is it spinning? It's like, okay, there's three gaps. Where's my gap? Right. There's one in middle wicket. So if it's straight, I knock him in there. I get off strike. I can run down the ground. I can bomb him. I can slog sweep him. And if it goes up in the air, I cut him off the back foot. So I'm always, I was always looking for scoring options. I was never, ever looking for, um, uh, I was ne- never, never. There were periods, of course, when I was going through a bit of a rut with my batting that I was thinking about uh, getting out, but most of the time I was never thinking about getting out. Yeah, yeah. How good has um, completely changed? How good has the IPL been and the mm-hmm. franchise cricket stuff as well? I know you 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 obviously loved it, mm. and we we to be fair, we love it as well because we get to see these England players going round, and it's it's the whole sort of cocktail for us. We get to see the players playing well in these different stadiums, different arenas, yeah. different venues, but then also like sharing a dressing room with, you know, the classic one was Bairstow and Warner, like yeah. opening the batting in the IPL and like <laughs> really good mates, yeah. um, which was a cool thing. I mean, the whole thing is, is a really good thing. And I know you're a massive product of it. You, you, you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to talk about it and in, in, in glowing terms. It's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, how, how good is that? Do you think that people are actually starting to embrace it? And do you wish that actually people in England embraced it a little bit more when you were banging the drum about it well ahead of the time, by the way? <laughs> um, I'm very happy with what I said when I said, I mean, it cost me my career at the end of the day because my downfall with English cricket and the way that the 
media started to write about me was all driven from St. John's Wood with me siding with IPL and Lalit Modi instead of jumping down the uh, Caribbean T20 route with Giles Clark. So we all know what happened there. The, the briefing against me was crazy. It was insane. Um, and when I sided with India, um, because I could see how good it was and I had an experience and I had a taste of it, um, and I will never ever talk dismissively about it because it it not it didn't save my career, but it made me into a, a great player because I was able to share a dressing with Raul Dravid, who helped me so much with my technique when I was actually coming unstuck against left arm spin and the new DRS system that kept knocking me over. And you just think about the runs I scored and how easy. I mean, I could go and face any left arm spinner now in the world. I could face Jack Leach without pads on and whack him. Why? Because of the IPL, right? And you yeah. laugh, but it's because of the IPL. Yeah, yeah. Because of no, nothing absolutely. else. No English coach, no one else. It's because of the Indian Premier League that I could go and score runs against Leach now without pads. And that is a fact. And that's why I speak so glowingly about franchise cricket and about that kind of cricket, because it actually took my cricket from here right up onto a, onto a different level. And I know it'll be exactly the same for all other players. And it is the same for all other players. So that's why I speak so glowingly about it. People go money, money, money. Money's a byproduct of being good at something. Mm. They don't just give me, they didn't just give me the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One gave me a test run, right? Yeah. I was talking, I played golf this morning with a Surrey fan, massive Surrey fan. And he was, we, I sort of mentioned, we were, I was talking to you a bit later on, on, on here for the Barmy Army. And he said, you know, when you were basically told you had to go and score red ball runs to get back in the England team, and then you went out and scored 300. Mm. I mean, did you, were you aware of what you were doing? Were you thinking this is really, you know, was it the day that the squad was announced or something like that, or the day before the, the next test squad was selected or something. I mean, just purely as like a moment that was, I remember that so vividly. It was ridiculous, wasn't it? And you, you must've been yeah. thinking, yeah. And as England cricket fans, Chris will say this as well. We're kind of going, how can you not pick this guy after that? It was absolutely astonishing. Were you aware of what you would do? Obviously you were aware of how many runs you were on for goodness sake, but you, were you aware of this, how much that was really going to stand out amongst what you'd been asked to do? No, I, I wasn't. And um, all, again, all I was doing was scoring runs. All I was doing was batting, something mm. that I loved. And uh, I was asked to go and do do something, asked, asked to go and score some runs, asked to go and do a job. Uh, and uh, and I went and did it. Um, but again, that was, that was uh, my relationship with the ECB started to fail, well, failed um, at St. John's Wood way before um, any of that stuff happened. So I don't think anything was going to come of it. Um, although I thought that there was a possibility if I did get runs, uh, it was just fun scoring a triple hundred. I, I, I only got one. Of, I only got one of them. It was a pretty good. It was pretty good time. It was awesome. Speak um, obviously very well about what you think can change the ECB. Do you actually think you could support the ECB and help them in the vision going forward about how they can try and make it more? Includes you get how they can make the England test team better because that's what we all want at the end of the day. 
Well, I mean, I am promoting franchising county cricket, right? I am promoting the what what I'm promoting is what the ECB want. They want they were the ones that talked about uh, what a Red Bull revamp or um, what do they call it? The Red uh, uh, the Red Bull Re- reset. Reset, yeah. Reset. They want a Red Bull reset. Well, the way to reset your Red Bull now is to bring in the best players to play against each other in a league above county cricket. County cricket can survive um, and it can, it, can, it can go and do what it needs to do. Absolutely no problem. You can still have your 18 counties. The 18 counties should not be first-class cricket because there's players there that are not good enough to be first-class cricketers. Uh, but there needs to be a league above there that is played where the best play against each other and they play against each other eight or nine times a year. Fitted into a good season, good time of the year. Uh, you get some amazing overseas players and you spend some money on first class cricket because it's there. We've seen it with 100. It's there. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the word that people get scared of is franchise. Um, yeah. And I've said it again. I was like, call it what you want. I call it franchise. Uh, just all I call a franchise from is, is just the, the combination of some clubs. You put them together like the 100 model and uh, you work with the best. Because that's the only way you're going to bridge the gap between England and first-class cricket. Yeah. The gap there at the moment. And I, and I just speak from experience, right? You just talked to me about the 300 I scored. Exactly. I played county cricket before I played test match cricket. And I played county cricket. That was one of my last knocks in county cricket. The gap between the Leicestershire bowling attack then compared to the Leicestershire bowling attack in 2015 or 16 or whenever it was, you can't even compare it. Yeah. Yeah. Evan Malcolm, Phil DeFreitas, Claude Henderson, uh, Charlie Dagnall actually was, I mean, he was bowling, he was bowling all right. Um, I don't know who there was some, there were, there were some other bowlers. Um, and then you're going to have, I couldn't, even, I couldn't name you one bowler that I faced. Really? That see, that's, that's, see, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky one, isn't it? When you, I mean, you see, you do see it, don't you? you see Joe Root, you see Johnny Bester going back playing for Yorkshire. I mean, heck, people like Gary Balance, right, was scoring hundreds for fun in county cricket, wasn't he? And then he gets in the England team, started off great. I think he scored four hundreds in his first sort of ten or eleven Test matches or something. And then he sort of obviously sort of dropped off a little bit in form once the technique had been fed up. But the point remains there is that he that that guy's got. 35 first class hundreds or something ridiculous, but yet not good enough to wear an England shirt using Gary as a, as a pure example. Why? Because the gap between county cricket and test match cricket is so big. Correct. Exactly. So big. And that's the issue. I mean, some, they, some kid got Compton or something, he got hundred against New Zealand this weekend and people go, Oh yeah, well, oh, well, 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 county cricket. And I'm going, well, he hasn't scored a test match run yet. Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. to me when he scored 15 test match hundreds or 20 test match hundreds. Let's let's just let's have a look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, everyone scored 100. Number 11 score hundreds now, and he may be a good player. I'm mm. not saying he's not a good player. But what I am saying is that England don't win test matches and they haven't won test matches because a long time ago I said that the standard was terrible and the England cricket team is going to suffer and I got hammered for it. What's happening now? Exactly what I said about the IPL, exactly what I said about franchise cricket, it all happened. And I don't like talking about it, but but, but it's me and that's what I said, right? So Yeah. yeah. I was going to say on that, Baz McCullum, Manuel have known well, played against him, played 
in the IPL and being a, a, yeah. around the guy and no, you'll know him well. Yeah. What did you, what was your initial thoughts then when, when you saw that Baz McCullum, New England head coach full of the test team, not the white ball team, the test team. What did yeah, you get? I thought, I thought it was white ball. And then I saw, let me read that gig. Was it white ball or red ball? And then he got, uh, he got the red ball gig, but he's Baz is a, um, Baz is a great guy. Um, and I think that, that the way that Rob Key thinks about cricket is very Southern Hemisphere-like, if I'm honest. Yeah. Okay. And I think that he was always going to go with somebody who didn't think negatively, who didn't have any negativity in his veins. And he was going to go very Southern Hemisphere in everything that he thought about. Okay. Um, so it didn't surprise me at all when you see what uh, Baz did with New Zealand cricket and the, the way that he changed the fortunes there with um, not the biggest talent pool uh, or the biggest pool of players. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty cool with it. I'm completely cool with it. I like Baz. Yeah. And Stokes is captain. I mean, you're not going to see many five day, day five sold out, are you? <laughs> no, but, but, I mean, that, that, that's one. So Baz, fine. Uh, Stokes, I'm going to, I'm, I'm yet to make my mind up on that just because of, Everything he's been through. Uh, I played under Freddie. Um, I know what's the, I know what's demanded of uh, when you're the best player in the team. Uh, I know that things can start to affect you, and you just certainly don't want it to hinder his uh, um, his play at all. Because at the end of the day, last year for mental health reasons, he was off the game. Uh, when you when you're the captain of the England cricket team, you're under crazy pressure. Been there, done it, got the t-shirt. Uh, and and if things were hitting him last year, who's to say that in a few months' time, if we get whacked by New Zealand and then start to get whacked by South Africa, and he's got a niggle in his right knee, that things may not go down. So I'm not saying it's it's not a good appointment, uh, it, but I'm yet to be convinced that it's a great appointment. If you know what I mean. You love talking about cricket, don't you? You actually love it. Like yeah. even just even just the twenty five minutes or so we've had chatting to you, you absolutely love talking um, about the game. Do you enjoy the punditry stuff? Do you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guessing there's no holds barred. We spoke to a load of people who do a bit of punditry, and they say, "Well, it's a bit difficult sometimes if you just sort of fresh out the dressing room." I'm, I'm guessing you don't really mind that. You just see it as you you know say it as you see it. Basically, Are you um, is something you want to keep doing, or would you ever go back into a bit of consultancy sort of batting stuff or whatever? I, I don't know. You tell me. I've got no idea. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to help these new youngsters, this new young England batting side. I'd like to help them because I think what England needs is they need a couple of coaches in there that are not as scared to lose their job, right? Okay. But to really back them, back the youngsters and give them that positive mindset on thinking outside of the box and being creative and being positive. Um, so it's not a position where you look at a lot of coaches around the world and you think, right, okay, yep, uh, he needs that, he needs that job. I mean, I don't need that job, but I would love to help these guys. Uh, and so I, I would look at it for sure. Um, but punditry is, again, just about expressing myself and just seeing things how I see that on a cricket field. Um, I do see things differently in, in different circumstances, but I like to try and talk to the way I feel a game is going or the way that I feel I would change the way a game is going. Um yeah, uh, there's nothing. There's no. There's no. There's nothing um, too smart about it. 
but yeah. but you're still playing as well, aren't you, Kev? We we watched you on the on the telly. It might have been a year or so ago now. Playing captain in the England legends side over in India. Is that something we can see again <laughs> in months to come, or will that? Not yeah, yet? there is. There's there are there there are a couple of new tournaments that are turning up. Um, so I got asked about them last week, but I'm just uh, checking the calendar to see if they fit. <laughs> <laughs> fielding for 20 overs is a very long time oh come on come <laughs> off it you get a bat though you know batting for 20 overs that's got to be worth it yeah um, open before, the batting <laughs> before I before I let you go I'm going to ask you about your golf but there's something that we do with every guest it's completely unrelated to anything that we've talked about you yeah. play did you did you play any club cricket you know when you were at knots and stuff did you play for any clubs in like the knots league or whatever shit there was a club that I paid for uh <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't I can't remember what it's called. I did most of my club cricket in South Africa for Berea Rovers. Right. Okay. Well, I think I fact, played one or two games in Nottingham. I didn't I didn't play a lot, so that's why I can't remember. Well, in which case then you can give us a bit of a difference because um you might have a different tack on this to Matty Fisher and a couple of other lads that we've spoke to in the last few weeks since we've been doing this, right? Dream yeah. cricketing tea. <laughs> sandwich savory snack sweet treat and drink that's what we need from you and you this is where you tell me actually that you, there's bill savory snack all. yeah savory go on so sandwich what's your are you having a sandwich or chicken and mayonnaise fine nice okay sweet treat victoria sponge pudding oh yeah <laughs> oh, hello now we're talking chris <laughs> um yeah. okay savory snack you're gonna give me bill tongue here aren't you uh I will now you've mentioned it. I wasn't going to. I was thinking something very English, but no, nope, I'm going Biltong. Now I'm going Biltong. Okay, and drink. Go on. Uh, shit. When I was playing or now? Uh, oh, no, this is like you're, play, you're, <laughs> you're, you're playing You're playing. a club game on a Saturday. In Surrey. Oh, a club game on a Saturday. Water's fine. Water's fine. All right. Everybody says cup of tea. That's a bit weird, isn't it? I don't drink tea. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um that's a good. That's a good one. I like that. I'm glad I chucked in Biltong for you. Yeah, yeah. You helped me there. <laughs> you helped me. Um, and um, before before we do let you go, Kevin, conscious of time, you've got a busy day. Um, how's your golf? Uh, how is my golf actually? I'll tell you right now. <laughs> you get, don't say, you I'm, get not, your... I'm not playing. I'm not playing well at the moment. You get index three. Index three point two. You you were lower than that before though, weren't you? Yeah, I was I was one point I was at I was at one and then I've shot my last five rounds, 80, 80, 80, 76, 80, 80. I just oh. I've been putting like an absolute clown. <laughs> Always something. You look you love the game oh. of golf though. What way is it with cricketers and golf, Kev? Why does everybody love it? Mate, I didn't when I was a player. I hated golf. I absolutely hated golf. I had nothing for golf. I never played any golf. Um, but now I literally cannot get enough of it. Uh, I just, I was actually, I just up at the club now for lunch, pop back, pop back for this. I've got a call at three, three till four. And then I'm going on my golf buggy and I'm going out there and I'm going to go and play three or four holes. Love it. I just love it. <laughs> well, we'll perhaps see you at Wentworth. Are you doing Wentworth PJ this year? Uh, I think so. Um, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I think nice. I will. Nice. Yeah, I think I will. We will hopefully see you there, ripping it up. Um, yeah, uh, you guys play golf? Yeah, I love it. I love it. You, Chris is getting. I'm trying off? to get. I'm trying to get him into it. So I'm. I'm. I'm a scratch index at the moment. But that's a misspent youth care. Wow. wow. Yeah, I did shoot three over today though, so it might be. Where did you play? Addington Palace in Surrey. 
Oh, we never heard of it. No, it's all right. It's all right, actually. It's like a little parkland. It's nice. It's nice. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Beautiful. I'd yeah. love to get to scratch, man. I'd love to. I'd love to get to where you are. But um, putting, there's always something, isn't there? Well, you've obviously conquered it, but there's always something, man. Putting or chipping or driving. Ah. <laughs> and I think that's what actually keeps me so gripped on it, that I just cannot master this game. There's always something. Yeah. You need to, like, pull out a switch hit or something like that. And nah, yeah. that's No, I could bet. I can't play golf. <laughs> Kev, absolutely awesome to talk to you, mate. That's okay. Um, thanks Good so man. much. Podcast Network.